Hey, good morning, everyone. How many of you growing up, or maybe you do this with your children, if you have parents and your parents, you have younger kids, you have a, a growth chart in your house? How many, how many, three of you? As a kid, remember doing this as a kid, you, 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 your kids, you want to measure your kids' growth. And at our house, what it was, was it was in the doorway of our kitchen. And um, we'd measure our growth and we'd have a little pencil and my dad would get out the ruler and, you know, and see how much we grow. And like, as a little kid, I wanted to like do it every week. Like, dad, did I grow? Did I grow? Dad's like, you're going to have to wait probably a little bit, right? And, and so we would chart our, you know, chart our growth. And, and I remember I just, you know, when I was 18, I went up to, you know, no, I'm just teasing. Uh, we stopped after a while. But I remember I just screeching out at 5'11", just did not get over the six-foot thing. So I really have a lot of bitterness and animosity. But anyways, um, it's interesting if you were, you know, it's interesting when you ask kids, like, yes, kids their age. So if you ask a, uh, a child that's seven years old and you ask them what their age is, what are they normally going to say? Seven and a half. Yeah, they're going to say seven, right? You have, you have kids and like, they, they never say just six or seven or they would say eight and a half. And there was one kid I asked, I go, what's your age? He goes, 11 and three quarters. I'm like, wow, okay. And it's, it's interesting when you're younger, you want to be older. And when you're older, you want to be younger. So when you're 49, you're 49 for like 10 years, right? Because we don't, we don't want to grow older at that point. And I was thinking about how do we measure our spiritual growth? Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever measured your spiritual growth? Like, how am I growing in Christ? And I believe that's the most important thing in your life is your personal growth in your walk with Christ. And I don't know if we ever give ourselves a lot of, a lot of thought to that. And what I'm saying is, I'm not, I'm not saying necessarily I think we need to memorize Scripture, we need to study the Word of God, we need to have a greater knowledge of the Word of God. All those things are wonderful, and it's part of our growth. But that personal growth in the Lord where He's working on my character, and He's causing me to grow closer to Him, each day. And hopefully we can look back over our lives and say, man, I used to act that way, but, but Christ has really been working on me. God has really been working on me. And the things that used to bother me don't really bother me as much. How can we walk and grow in our maturity? And how can we chart that growth? And what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to look at the, at the book of First Timothy. It was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. And what Paul does is he instructs Timothy, he wants Timothy to go to the church in Ephesus and deal with some issues within the church. And what was happening within the church was that there were some false teachers. And they were getting away from the centrality of the gospel message of who Jesus is and faith in Christ and through his sacrifice. And they begin to, there, there began to be a lot of speculative teachings a lot of sensationalistic teachings that were causing people to argue and fight and move away from the centrality of the gospel message. But what's interesting about how Paul instructs Timothy is not only how to deal with false teachings and false doctrines, but Paul cared about Timothy's growth in Christ. And what we're going to see is we're going to see that in the first couple verses of the first chapter of 1 Timothy, how Paul cares about Timothy and his growth in him. And that's the thing that should concern us the most is what is our purpose for our growth 
in Christ. And so I want to dive into this series looking at the book of 1 Timothy. And the Apostle Paul writes this letter uh, to his son in the faith. Um, we understand through this letter that Timothy was Paul's protege, and Paul looked at Timothy as a son, and he cared for him deeply. And so he wanted him to deal with this huge issue within the church, this false teaching within the church, but he cared for him personally and wanted him to grow in his personal walk with Christ. So what Timothy does is Timothy oversaw the church in the city of Ephesus, which is now modern day the, the country of Turkey. And the letter of 1 Timothy shows us Paul's heart for Timothy and how he literally poured his life into him. And so the words in this letter are practical. They give us wisdom on living and for our growth in our faith. Now, it's not going to be easy for Timothy. He's going to have to lead this church. But he wanted to make sure that Timothy was growing spiritually. Now, listen, you, you can lead a, a group or an organization, yet if your personal devotion to God is waning, it will eventually show. What, what happens on the inside, what's going on in the inside of your life, how, how many, we can fake people out for a while, can't we? We can, we can put on a facade. Many of us have been in church long enough where we know the right Christianese, right? Hey, how you doing, brother? Praise the Lord. I'm doing wonderful. Hallelujah, right? We know, we know the words to use, but inside we may be broken. Inside our personal lives may be a train wreck, and it's easy to put this facade on, and eventually it's going to come out in our public life. Paul cared about Timothy's private life. And he wanted to make sure that his private life was in order. Because if your private life is not in order, it will eventually show itself in your public life. And so for this very reason, Paul cared for Timothy's personal life. So if your personal life is in, do- is in disorder, it will eventually show up in your public life. So we can all fall in the trap. Listen, we can all fall in the trap of doing things for God, yet not actually be growing in him personally. We can be busy, even busy at good things like church things. And we can be busy at doing trunk or treats. By the way, I'm very hurt that our, um, that our trunk didn't come in the top three. We had a French bistro, and we had our little dog, Tulip, dressed in a cute little French, uh, you know, French hat. And uh, what do you call that, Kathleen? A beret. Yeah, we had a little beret for Tulip. It was cute. So... I'm pretty hurt we didn't win. Of course, Chick-fil-A and bring their own food. And that's, that's, that's just not right. I don't care. That's, I'm bitter over this. But listen, we can be busy at all this church stuff, right? And, and thinking we're doing all these things for God, but yet not working on our personal relationship with God. Busy doing all the things on the outside, but yet ignoring our personal lives. And so I want to give you a couple thoughts here. Let me just give you a couple thoughts here real quick. Listen, don't neglect your time with Christ. Listen, as your pastor, I want you to learn. I want you to study. I want you to pray. I want you to write down the things that God is showing you. You know, get a good study Bible. Whether it's an ESV study Bible, an NIV study Bible, get a good study Bible. As you read God's word, understand what it's saying and, and grow and understand why the letter was written or why that particular book was written. All those things are, are vital in our growth with the Lord and we should be studious at doing this. We should be disciplined at doing this. This should be part of our life. We need to learn to sit under the teaching of, of, of God's word. All these things are imperative for our growth. And so, but I, I want to give you the theme for, uh, for the verse that, uh, just a, a verse in the, in the book of First Timothy is kind of be our theme for the next couple of weeks. But I love what Paul instructs Timothy here in First Timothy 4, 8. He says this, this is so good. He says, physical training is good. How many, how many would say 
Not so much. I don't like physical training. But, but Paul's saying physical training is good because it's good for what? It's good for your health. So he says it is good, but he said, but training for godliness is much better. And here's the reason why. Because it's promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So it's paramount that we work on our personal lives because not only will it benefit us here as we live now, but it benefits us in the life to come. So this verse is all about priorities, the things that are most important in your life. Now, I I will let you know, you you may think, well, I'm making this a priority, and, and you may say that, but let me tell you how you really know, the litmus test, how you really know what is the things that are priority in your life. You will give your time, and you will give your money, to the things you care most about. Everybody say, ouch. Ouch, right? If, if, you look at, if you look at your time, what are the things that you spend most of your time doing? And where do you spend most of your money? That will show you where your priorities are. Now think, think for a moment. What do you spend most of your time doing? Just think about it for what do I and, and listen, Paul's not saying that a hobby or these other things aren't bad, but, but is there balance in our life? Are we really working on the things that are most important? And what Paul is saying here is our personal lives are, are, are what's most important. Are we training ourselves to be godly with all the other things that go in our life? Paul's not saying that physical training is bad. He's saying our pursuit of God is much better for two reasons, in this life and the life to come. Now, I, I, I was a swimmer, and I remember just swimming and going to practice. I hated practice. It was basically four hours after school every day. We did an hour of homework. We did an hour of dry training with weights. And then we did two hours in the pool every five days a week after going. I wouldn't get home till like eight, nine o'clock. And my mom would like pack me like four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because I just couldn't. It wasn't that wonderful that day when you just could not gain weight. Remember that? Those were good days. I could come home and eat a half gallon of ice cream and never gain weight. It was just, I was just in the pool all the time. And I remember thinking to myself, what, 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 what am I doing? What, what is this for, right? And because you want to get a better time, you want to do better, and you see yourself progressing, hopefully. And what Paul's saying is physical training is not, it's not bad in itself, But he says, our godly pursuit, our pursuit of godliness is not only going to change us now, but it's something that we have to look forward to. It changes our perspective. It gives us a hope and a future that that we are with God and that that Christ is always with us. So the meaning of godliness is is not difficult to understand. The meaning of godliness is is a devotion to God and really the desire to please him. And so here's my hope for you. Here's my prayer for you as your pastor is that your personal life with Jesus and your, that development of your walk with the Lord will be seen in how you live it out every day in your life. And I want the motivation, the things that you are passionate about to be motivated by your relationship with Christ. And let me just be honest with you. What I see today much in the church is our passion and our desires are not motivated by our personal relationship with, with God, but it's motivated by something else. It could be motivated by our political stance. It could be motivated by our opinions or what we're passionate about. Listen, listen, listen. I love you, okay? I love you as your pastor. But listen, let our desires be motivated by our relationship with Christ first. Let that be the thing that is paramount in our lives. And I believe we will see through a different set of lenses when our passion is for Christ first. That doesn't mean we don't have opinions. That doesn't mean that we don't have a voice. But let it be driven 
by our relationship with Christ first. Then we will be honoring him and we'll be honoring God's will and what his desires for you and for the church. I'm going to, I'm going to dig into that a little more in just, just a minute. So let's, let's look at first Timothy and let's look at the first seven verses and let's see what Paul says here as he writes this letter to Timothy to encourage him. He says, this letter is from Paul. We know it's from Paul, an apostle of, of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God, our Savior in Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. I'm writing to, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. You see that wonderful relationship they have. He says, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Now, right off the bat, he gives him a warning about false teachers. So here's the intent. Here's the purpose of his letter. He says, when I left for Macedonia, I urge you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those who are, whose, whose teaching is contrary to truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculation. There's a lot of meaningless speculation going on today, and I'll dig into that just a little more, okay? Which, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. Thank you, Paul. Preach it. Can I get an amen? amen. I'm hyped up this morning. I had a lot of candy yesterday, so I'm hyped up. So listen, here's his, here's his purpose. He says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. So he says, yes, I want you to deal with the false teachers, but it's got to be motivated by this. It's got to be motivated with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith that's built upon the word of God. But some people, he says, have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spent their time in meaningless discussions that aren't gospel-centered, that aren't leading people to the Lord. They're just meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they are talking about, even though they speak so confidently. So here's what Paul is doing. He's speaking about people who have gotten off track, who have gotten away from, from sound teaching and chasing after things that are not pertinent to the gospel message. Now, let me give you an example of this for today. Now, an example of this today would be maybe an infatuation with angels, maybe the unseen, an over-infatuation with the unseen world. We know we live in an unseen world. We, we, we know that uh, th- there's an evil presence in our world that we know that we have to rely and depend on Christ. Uh, but there can be uh, a, an over-infatuation with these things or demonic activity or political conspiracies. Or, or I get asked this question sometimes, Pastor, what about UFOs? What about, I was watching this show about UFOs. Um, you know, YouTube can lead you down many rabbit holes, amen? Can it? You can go all over the place there. Uh, one time someone asked me, and they said, Pastor, I was watching the History Channel. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Oh no, here we go. And I said, listen, if you're getting your theology from the History Channel, stop! Stop, Okay. There's a lot of things that they tell. It's just conspiracies and it just gets people worked up and it's not true. Get it from here. Get it from the Word of God. Amen, amen, amen. So be careful. It's going beyond biblical teaching and moving into speculation. This is what was happening within the church. There was these wild teachings and speculations and sensationalistic teachings that would get people all revved up. Oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? 
And it's easy to get sucked into these teachings for the reason it's very sensationalistic. Yet it will lead us astray from the central teaching of the gospel of why Jesus came and how Jesus wants to change us and how Jesus wants to use us to change our world with his wonderful message. Jesus said to us in the church, go into all the world and teach speculative teachings about UFOs. That's not what he said. Or your political stance or whatever it might be. He said to go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Baptize those disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what I loved about last week. Wasn't last week just awesome in the baptismal services? I love when people are giving their hearts to the Lord. That's what we are called to. And so we need to be careful because it's easy to get sucked into these teachings. And, and, and what is the reason why? I think the reason why is, I think all of us, we're human and we can get easily bored. We can get easily bored with the gospel message. Many want something new, something they haven't heard before. Chasing after a new movement, a so-called new word from God. Can I, listen, I'm just going to jump in this. Can I just jump in this morning? I'm just going to jump in this morning. Let, let me just tell you, as your pastor, I love you. And I care about your spiritual formation. I care about your spiritual growth. What's very difficult for a pastor today is that I have 35, 40 minutes. I try to keep it within 35, 40 minutes. I have 35, 40 minutes to share the word of God and my heart with you. But I know that you can go and you can listen to any teaching you want on YouTube or whatever it may be or another pastor. And it's very difficult to share my heart because I know I just have this much time with you. And I know there's a lot of other things out there that can vie for your attention, that can draw you away from the centrality of the preaching of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we as a church at Living Word, we stay on the word of God and the gospel message and what our purpose is. And that's to spread that message of Jesus Christ to our world. And so that's our heart. Now, thank you. Now, here's where we need to be careful. Here's where we need to be careful. I believe sometimes we can get bored with that message. Man, the day, the day I get bored with the gospel message, something is wrong with my heart. The day that I stop becoming passionate for those who have given their hearts to the Lord. I'm pointing over here because that's where the baptismal tank was last week. But, but the day we get bored of that, we're missing something. Listen, let, let, let me just give you a warning here. When you hear this, you may hear somebody say, you know, I've got a word from God or God has told me this or I've got a new word or God has shown me something new in the word that's for you. Let, can I just say this to you? Run for the hills, okay? Just listen, line it up with the truth of God's word. If you're in doubt, talk to me or Pastor Brandon. Ask us questions. We try to keep up on all this stuff as much as possible, but I will with, with, with all my heart and with love share with you my concern. And, I, and I'll share with you what I think about that. So please, guard your hearts. Because listen, I'm not, the, the, these teachers in Ephesus, maybe they started off okay. But then somewhere down the line, somebody got bored with the gospel message. Somewhere down the line, they stopped preaching the word of God and the, and the message of the gospel. Somewhere down the line, someone got bored of it. And then they began to chase after these other things. And then they formed a group that people, well, let's talk about it. And then it just got into arguments. And what it did is it splintered the church. And Paul says, you need to go there and you need to deal with this because this can hurt the movement of Christ in our world. So we have to be, listen, we have to be passionate people making sure that we are gospel-centered in all we do. We have to be passionate about that. We have to guard that with all our hearts um, with love. So what Paul's going to do is he's going to encourage Timothy to deal with the error in the church. And listen, there's a right way to deal with error and there's a wrong way to deal with error. 
And I want you to notice what Paul, in the middle of these verses, he tells him, listen, let this be driven by your love, a genuine faith, your sincerity without hypocrisy. It's interesting. He just didn't say, hey, go after those turkeys and get them out, right? Go at them, guns blazing, and just get them out of the church. It's interesting that Paul turns it around and says, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I want you to deal with this. However, listen, watch your heart. Your, your, your faith in the Lord must be genuine and your heart must be pure and you must walk in love here. That's very interesting. Paul is going to show Timothy a better way to deal with false truth. Paul doesn't pull any punches. He gets right to, right, right to it in his letter. And so in verse 5, we see his aim and the purpose of his instruction. Paul's aim was love. It's out of love that we need to deal with those who have wandered from sound teaching. Not hate, not a combative spirit. So when you deal with someone with a different view from you, how are you acting? Is it arrogant or is it, is it rude? See, here's, here's where this maturity side of our walk with the Lord comes in. When I'm offended, listen, is there a lot of things we can be offended in our world today about? All right, there's a ton of things we can be offended about. And in my offense, how am I dealing with that? Many times in our offense, we deal with it in a combative, arrogant way. So we we give people the truth, but it has no love with it. And what what Paul is saying, let the motivation be love here with with sincerity, without hypocrisy. Guard your heart, because it's easy to hide behind our flaws as we point out all the flaws of the world and all their mistakes. And there's a ton of them, right? And there's a ton in my life. And so Paul says, guard your heart here. Guard your life. Making sure that, that, that your heart is, is pure here as you deal with these false teachers. Paul's aim was love, and it was out of that love that they would deal with those who have wandered from sound teaching. Not a combative spirit. And so when you deal with someone with a different view, how are you? Because this will show your maturity in the Lord. I'm not saying not to have an opinion. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't, it shouldn't bother us. But listen, how does it bother you? Does it bother you because it's upset you politically? Or does it bother you because it's a soul that needs to be won into the kingdom of Christ? Are you tracking with me? Follow me here. Because this is what bothers me as a pastor many times is I see people get offended, but I'm like, are you getting offended by the right reasons? Or is it because you're offended because it's against what you believe politically? Or are you offended because you see people who are being hurt and damaged by evil and by the enemy himself who has blinded this world to the truth of who Jesus is? See, when we are centered in the gospel message, what should bother me is people are lost. When I see people entrenched in whatever movement it is, whatever philosophy it is, it should break my heart to know that they need to hear the truth of God's word and the truth of who Jesus is. And that love should compel me to want to make a difference in our world. Not to be combative because someone has a different slant than I do politically. Church, let's get back to the gospel and why we were called to begin with. He called us out of darkness into his wonderful light that we may shine that light in this dark world. And so when you look at it, listen, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. Because sometimes it's so easy to get apathetic about our world and just say, well, look how bad it is, and oh, let's just give up. No, this is our greatest opportunity to give the world what they need. And that's Jesus. 
you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and there was a guy, he, um, he was really entrenched in yoga and the whole philosophy of yoga where he just was spiritually oppressed because of it and all of Hindu, Hinduism and that, that world philosophy, and, and, he, and he eventually got out of it and shared his testimony. What was neat about his testimony was this. He said there was a pastor who, who approached him and formed a friendship with this, with this guy and began to share the gospel. And the, and the guy's like, listen, I'll listen to you, but I want you to know right now I am not ever going to give up my ideas about yoga. I'm just not. And here's some things I'm never going to change my mind. So I just want you to know that. You know what the pastor said? He said, you're just stupid. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. I'm just teasing. I just want to make sure you guys are listening. No. <laughs> here's what the pastor said. The pastor said, he goes, you know what? That's okay. Just, just seek Jesus. He goes, okay, 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 okay. I'll do I'll seek Jesus. But I want to tell you, this thing, this one teacher, I'm never going to change about this. I'm just telling you. He goes, the pastor said, that's okay. Just seek Jesus. He goes, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The pastor just kept telling him, just seek Jesus. So he goes, you know, you know what I did? He goes, he goes, okay, I'm going to read the Bible just to prove him wrong. And he began to read the word of God. And what happened is Jesus changed his heart, which changed his philosophy. And all of a sudden, the things that he thought were so entrenched in his heart and his life were changed through the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit in a, in a trust in Christ Jesus. And he goes, I'll never forget that pastor. He didn't get, he didn't get defensive he, he, he wasn't offended. He just said, listen, just seek Jesus. And listen, for some of you that are praying for a family member, maybe it's a friend that you have that you've, you've had some pretty bad conversations because of different views on things. Let me tell you, listen, let a heart of love for the gospel and what Jesus Christ has done for you compel you to love them with Jesus' love. I, you know, when, when I pray in the morning, I always ask the Lord, God, I have my lenses that I put on. Oh gosh, the world is terrible, you know? And then it's like, Jesus is barred take off your lenses and put on my lenses and let, let, let me show you how I see the world. See, here's what compels me. I know that God is a loving, gracious God, but I know he's going to judge sin. He's going to judge the world. And what compels me to want people to know about Jesus is not because I'm trying to win them to some philosophy that I have, I want to win them because I know that God is a loving God, but a just God, and he will judge our sins. And no one's getting away with anything. And so what should drive us and compel us is that gospel message that Jesus atones for our sin and our waywardness. That's the thing that should be driving us, knowing that God is a a, a God that will judge every person according to what they know and according to what they do. And have they trusted Christ with their lives? And so that's the thing that should compel us as believers to look at this lost world. So I want to take my lenses off and I want to, Christ, let me look through your lens. And I know this world is bad and I know people offend me and they, they say things that I don't agree with. But Jesus, you died for them too, just as much as you died for me. Change my heart. See, this, this, is, this is the purpose of Paul writing to Timothy, listen, have a pure faith, have a pure heart, no hypocrisy, don't have a combative spirit, deal with the error, speak truth, but do it in love. And so Paul reminds us that our heart should be pure and not hypocritical. See, we can do a great job pointing out all the false teachers, yet at the very same time, 
our marriages could be in a train wreck, right? Our marriages could not be doing well. Or I could do a great job pointing out all the things that's wrong with the world, but my own heart is, is wayward. Our faith should be sincere and genuine because a sincere faith believes and lives out the gospel we actually believe. And so what can happen is we can have a strong belief in Christ, yet at the same time, we, not, we may not guard our hearts against anger and bitterness or the way that we treat others. This is what Paul cares about. This is your maturity right here. This is how you grow and how you react and you treat others is showing how you are really and truly growing in the Lord. It, it becomes, you know, it, it can easily become all truth and, and no love. And so what Paul wants Timothy to deal with is, is those leading others astray, but sincerely and honestly with love and humility towards Christ. Never forget God's grace towards you. Um, I love this quote by, uh, by Jerry Bridges. He, he uh, wrote a really great book called The Practice of Godliness and the Pursuit of Holiness. And I would recommend cl- classic books. I would recommend, completely recommend both of those to you as a great read. But here's what, here's what Bridges says about a truly godly person. And I hope this speaks to your heart. It says, A truly godly person never forgets that he was once, that was at one time, an object of God's holy and just wrath. He never forgets that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and he feels, along with Paul, that he himself, the worst of sinners. But then, as he looks to the cross, he sees that Jesus was his atoning sacrifice. He sees that Jesus bore his sin his sins in his own body and that the wrath of God, the wrath which he, a sinner, should have borne was expended completely and totally upon the Holy Son of God. If you remember the great depths that Christ went to to reach and save you, you will look at this world with a different set of lenses. Are we to deal with error? Absolutely, within the church. Are we to stay firm on God's word and be a gospel-centered church? Absolutely. But let's do, let's do it in love and truth, the way we deal with the world and their philosophy. Let's do it through the lens of Jesus and the calling that, that, that Jesus has called us into this dark world to show the light of who Christ is. Let it humble your heart. When you see people, do you see them as a project or do you see them as someone that Jesus actually died for? And I, I want Jesus to just captivate the heart of our church that we see our community just yesterday, just, you know, people were just walking around our lawn. You know, there's 250 kids with their parents, I don't know, 500 people, 600 people that ended up walking just through our church. And um, just hearing you and loving on people and, and serving them and our community. One guy came up to me, he goes, you know what, I think I may check out, I may check out your church. He goes, I, I, I think I'm going to, I, I want to check that out. You, you know, you, just, you could just feel people in their love and their compassion for people. It's so important that we as a church at Living Word see our community as a people that Jesus loves. And let us be that people because, man, you're going to reach people and you're going to be, you're going to influence people that I never will, but you will. And you have that ability to show the love of Christ to whoever you're around. And so let God just break our hearts for this. And so as we, as we stand firm in the truth of God's word and as we dig more into the book of, of, of 1 Timothy, or the letter of 1 Timothy, we're going to see more and more how Paul just addresses Timothy as his true son in the faith and how he cares about his heart and his life and what it truly means to be godly. So 
Keep this in mind, to be tender and humble before Christ always. I just want to, I want you to answer these three questions as we just close today. And um, the response of these questions will reveal your maturity in Christ. And, and, and hey, how many know all of us, we're a work in progress, right? Right? We all know the biggest room in every home is what? The room for improvement, right? We, we all know that. So, so let's look at these and just honestly ask yourself, how are you doing here? Because this will reveal your, your maturity. How, how, how do you talk to someone or one another when you disagree? How's that going? Is it, is it good? Is it cordial? Or are you slamming doors, hanging up phones, you know, running people over? No, I'm just teasing. What, what, what's going on there? H- how do you respond to others on social media with whom you disagree? How, how are those? Ooh, it got real quiet. Sorry, I just said I'm going to throw it out there just, you know. Um, and, and how are we at speaking truth and love? It is, is my motivation, just think of your motivation here. Is my motivation just to get my point across? Or is my motivation for that soul? Is my motivation that I'm offended and I just want to shove the truth in their face? Or is my motivation that that's a soul that needs to hear and know about the love of Jesus Christ? And just think of where your priorities are today and where your motivation is. And my prayer for you is that we would get back on track again. That we would get back on track to what Jesus has originally called us to be as a church. And that's a church that reaches out to this world with the love of Christ. Amen? How is your love for this world? God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus came and died for us. That's a pretty perfect Savior, I would say. That he overlooked all my flaws and he still died for me. He didn't wait for me to get it all together. He still gave his life for me. Let's be that type of people as we represent Jesus in our world. Amen? Let me pray for you today and pray for our church. Pray for me. Amen. Would you bow your hearts with me? Let's just pray. Father God, we, we, we are flawed individuals and by no means are we perfect. And we know that our world is adrift and it's lost and it, it's a dark place. But we thank you, Jesus, that you permeated this dark place with your life and by giving your life. And I pray, Lord, that as your church, as your representatives of you on this earth, that we would get back to the task of being a people that are motivated by your love, not by anything, not by anything else. And Lord, that doesn't mean we don't have an opinion or we don't voice our opinions or we don't voice the things we're concerned with. But Lord, let us do it in love and for the reason and the sake of the gospel message that hearts need to be changed. And the only one that can do that is Jesus. So Lord, bring us back to your side again. And Lord, may our faith be genuine. May our hearts be pure. And Lord, may we always walk in your love. Lord, I I pray for myself as I speak your word, God, that, that... that, Lord, I would stay attuned to your word and I would stay humble before your word, God, and that as, as uh, Lord, I shepherd this church, God, that you would always give me wisdom. And I need your wisdom, God. It's, it's a hard day today. And, Lord, we need your help. And Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your love. I thank you that you're the truth and you always lead us in truth. 
So help us to be steadfast in all those truths and help us to be steadfast on your gospel message. Thank you, Jesus, for all you do for us. You're a perfect Savior. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things in your precious name, in your precious name. And all God's children said, can we thank the Lord this morning? He's good. He's perfect. Amen. Amen.